This is Courtney. I play McKenna Ali, your favorite Loxodon. Well, let's be honest, your favorite character. I want to thank you for joining us on this adventure. Starlight has taken a lot of love from all four of us, and from the bottom of our hearts, we are so thankful. Every review, every subscribe, every Patreon subscriber, or in any way that you give back to Starlight means the world to us. And in case you didn't know, each reading or review helps reveal our podcast for those finding new podcasts and adventures to go on. I truly hope you enjoy the venture ahead. Until next time, see you later, spacers. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, that's my problem no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats from lavish palaces to cold alien caverns. They have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And battle mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Want to know more? Go check them out. Or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. And then, so when you look at the right of the sheet, you see shield bubbles. You have a forward, a port, a starboard, and an aft. And you see three different bubbles. The bubbles, they represent how much damage you can take before the shields fail and your ship starts taking damage. Different ships have different amount of bubbles. You'll get like the, sh the sheet saying that. But basically it also say if your bubbles are black or red. Most bubbles will be black. Um, and red bubbles, one bubble is worth three. Um, and so weapons damage, when you're attacking someone, weapons damage is represented by like literal just, if your ship hits, this is the damage. Um, so like on a compact starship, it's forward guns is plus three to hit and it does two damage. So if it, wherever you hit on the shields, if you hit, it'll take, you'll just cross off two shields. In order to start doing permanent damage to a ship, you either need to make a hit with a critical, uh, and in that case, does the damage to the shield, and you also cross off an HP. As well as, the reason why you have these different shields that are in this way is orientation. This is the forward, port, starboard, aft. So let's say you have an enemy kind of come up on the side. Let's say you have a crew of three and a crew of three. Let's say you have a standard ship. They have a non-standard ship where they actually have two gunners on the port side and none on the starboard. So the two gunners are able to attack twice over here. In order for them to actually do damage to your HP without a critical is they need to reduce all your shields on that side. So the pilot can actually move the ship into more defensive positions based on shields. Got it. Um, Basically your life is in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, pretty much. I'll just sit next to you the whole time. <laughs> All right, uh, that works. I need a co-pilot anyway. 
for the speeders and stuff, personal weapons, like weapons you guys have, like if you're in a situation where you can lean out a window and shoot, personal weapons always do one damage, uh, with the exception of like certain weapons, like the, the, the mass driver. But you have to have a critical for it to actually affect. If you like lean out of the window in space. Oh, you're full. You're screwed, unless you're like a gray. Okay, that's what but I was But everyone was like, else is minute, screwed because they're getting sucked out. <laughs> Don't worry, guys, I got this. <laughs> I think oh, that's the shit. definition of space opera. Anything goes. <laughs> yeah. For your weapons, um, they can be on all sides. I'm going to show you guys the land speeder chart right here. This land speeder chart, it tells me that you only have weapons on the forward. Whereas like, say like the Starship Combat, it has weapons on the forward, starboard, and port side. What that means is whoever is in the forward position and based on size, land speeders are small. So generally only one person can be in the front position. If you had like an extra small character and a regular size character, I'd consider being able to share that. But what that means is because the pilot position is in the front, and unless it otherwise says so, all the pilot positions are gonna be in the front the pilot's gonna be the only one that can actually move and attack with the speeder. It also tell you like, tell you that your shields are black, so your shield's only worth one point. Whereas like when you get to bigger ships, the like actual fighting vessels, they'll often have like red shields that have more health. So if you had a red shield and your shield got hit, would it turn into black and then? No, it just like, whereas the black's worth you, one point. Just take more. Yeah, okay. it's basically you have like nine points okay. of a shield. And then whoever's gunning there to hit will be their dexterity modifier plus their proficiency bonus if they have proficiency in piloting. And then we'll just get into like the basics. Like you guys can see the actions and what they do, but the basics of it is the dodge. It's the same as D&D rules as written. Only the pilot can take an action to dodge. And when, they, when you do that, it gives the attacks against you disadvantage. The pilot can take an action to do a barrel roll, um, where it flips the ship upside down. And right at the beginning of your next turn, um, so it flips the ship upside down and then writes at the beginning of your next turn. So basically like the barrel roll makes it so like, let's say, let's say Atlas is on, let's say you guys are like this, right? Atlas is on this side, McKenna's not on a gunner position. She is like doing some like repair on the engines or something or wherever shield was hit. And you're like, I can't maneuver my ship fast enough to get on the other side for Atlas to make an attack. A barrel roll would flip your ship upside down, which would allow you to make an attack. Mm. But, right, and then it writes at the beginning of your next turn. But if you fail, like all of these, a lot of these rolls have um, DC checks. uh, And so if you fail the barrel, barrel roll check right, the enemy's next attack can be made with advantage on you. And you can see that it goes down along the line. So, and then as your ship's health goes down, it it has the chance to first, in the first bubble glitch, malfunction, and then wreck. And one thing I'll say, if your ship fails all its death saving throws, once it's like at that point, and you guys don't get off the ship, you will all die immediately. Oh wow. Well, because it'll blow up. Awesome, so, so ships are great. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sam, like you had said, you asked about like escaping. That's on the last page. So, in order to like, let's say either escape or make a hyper jump. To your first example, to make a hyper jump, you need a, a clear line of sight. You can't have anything in front of you, and you need at least three hexes from an enemy to make a jump without disadvantage. 
the, the jump with disadvantage is you can make the jump. It's just like, it's gonna be like you're making a, uh, a piloting astrogation check. Um, and like, if you don't hit your DC, you could end up somewhere random. Yeah. And then to escape another ship, you need to like make opposed piloting checks for you to outmaneuver it. And then you have to follow it up the next turn with, with a stealth roll. And that also doesn't get detected. Otherwise, the bat, like the chase continues. Can I get knocked out of hyperspace? I haven't thought about it, but I don't see why not. Well, because I'm I, just thinking, well, like, if you fail an escape attempt, like, if you say you fail the sneak or whatever, yeah. and they follow you into the hyper jump, yeah. and if they just start, like, firing missiles at you or something, and you get, like, knocked, you get hit, like, not destroyed, but, like, then you get just knocked off trajectory, or huh. something crazy happens. I actually, I haven't thought about that, but that'd be good, because I have, like, a little, I have, like, a D100, like, small chance of, like, if you make a jump and you failed your your astrogation check, hmm. that could also be game over in some sense. Like, like yeah. it's a very small chance, but I have it like because you didn't make a clear jump, you hmm. end up in a black hole or something. Yeah. Just... So there is that, but that actually is a really cool idea. And then I guess the only thing the other to explain is like the reason why you would switch positions from say a gunner to like a repair position is because like you you have the chance to fix shields and stuff. Once you fail a check on that shield, you can't fix it again until it like actually goes in to a shop or something or like makes dock or has like essentially a long rest. Other than that, combat rules are pretty much the same uh, in terms of like actions you can take. And the only other thing that I forgot to put on here was drift. So whatever your ship's speed is, your ship's gonna continue drifting that way. So like, as a pilot, your main action is moving the ship and maneuvering it. Yeah. It's, let's say that like as a pilot, you shift positions out of piloting and no one's piloting the ship for a second. It'll just kind of it'll, it'll move its speed ahead. Okay. It'll drift okay. in whatever is direction it's already going. Bada boom, bada bing. Hey guys, welcome to Starlight. Uh, we are super happy to finally have another Q&A where we, the cast and crew of Starlight, are going to pick apart all the crazy kind of solo games that we've had so far and see what was going on in each and every spacer's mind. That being said, I would like to take this quick moment to say thank you to all the people who have joined our Discord community. We just had a giveaway on there um, and it is a great place. You can find it in all of our social media links. Um, if you wanna get plugged in to a D&D community, get a chance to talk with us, um, pick our brains, or as well as just meet other people, put up your own self promotions, check it out. It's super fun and we hope to continue growing it. And lastly, thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Volcanic, as well as uh, James, you guys, are awesome. You are making this show continue to support itself. And if you want to get involved um, and get extra content, bonus episodes, quarterly gifts, check us out at uh, our Patreon. Um, but without further ado, uh, let's introduce everyone. I'm Isaac, your GM and host, and I will go over to my left here. I'm Courtney. I play McKenna Ali. Um, you're probably your favorite character on Starlight. And I'll shoot it over to Nathan. Hi, I'm Nathan. I uh, play Atlas. 
and I'm Sam, and I play your actual favorite character, Clive Jensen. Ha <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've had... We actually haven't had a poll between if McKenna or Clive is better, but we've had polls between Atlas <coughs> and McKenna, and I think Atlas has won <laughs> those polls. What? It makes so, sense. That's I mean, it, maybe we can have a contest. It makes for a little sense. Least favorite. <laughs> yeah, let's just make sure we put the GM um, in that one too. No, we're gonna lose. What the whoa, heck? Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you said least, lose. You said least favorite. Yeah. Oh, we least should favorite. GM, isn't it? Uh, no, no, no. I thought it was best. I thought it was the favorite. Mm, okay. I mean. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. I can be the most hated villain if you guys like. Um, Good, because you are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. So, uh, guys, so much crazy stuff has happened um, from everyone kind of going their own individual ways. I know that for March, we did an all McKenna uh, adventure mostly because she had a lot to accomplish. She ended up having three episodes. Atlas had two, and Clive had one. And so two months later, we have finally completed all the solo adventures. So I'm going to kick this off right here, right now. Um, and in no particular order, chime in when you guys want. But I'm curious. Tell me your guys' thoughts on each of your own individual stories. I'll go first. Um, I have fallen in love with playing McKenna more through her own individual story. And having adopted a child is so in her character. Going after a brain in a vat is so in her character. Um, and just like having a fake husband is so in her character. Like everything about what's happening right now is just so McKenna. Um, and so I'm loving it and I love that I'm getting to explore this new aspect of who she is. Um, and I actually like, I love the story building and world building aspects of, um, D and D. And so this has been all story. There's been like zero battles in the camp. Is that right? Uh, I wouldn't say that there were, yeah, there were no battles, yeah. but more of like, uh, a little bit of intrigue, kind of right. um, the planning element of D&D. &D. That mm -hmm. was more of your conflict and kind of uh, fulfilling character motivation. Right, and that's what I love about D&D. &D. And so that was that was a true joy to play. Um, am I supposed to just stay on my own or have my thoughts on everything? Just, just on your own for okay. now. Okay, because I have a lot of thoughts on Atlas's too. <laughs> we can get to that in a bit. Um, I think I can go okay, next. Okay, who's next? I think I can go next. Um... <clears throat> Thoughts on my story, or Clive's story, I should say. Uh, I'm still, it's still a little clouded, to be honest with you. He hasn't got a whole lot of, I mean, he only had the chance to play one game so far, and I was gone for a while before that, so. Um, but I've always really loved uh, stories of self-discovery, and I feel like that's kind of what he's on. Um, I've always loved stories with a little bit more of a mystery kind of aspect to it, and uh, I think that fits his character very well, considering he's, he's the brooding a cybernetic cowboy that doesn't understand himself um, uh, and I think with his personality and his character style uh, teaming up with Atlas and McKenna 
to eventually, hopefully eventually discover where it is that he came from and why he was created. I think with their personalities and his personality, it's just going to make for a just a, just a wild ride and I'm I'm super excited for it. Alrighty. Um so for Atlas, I'd say that well, one, personally, obviously, we've already talked about it, but I enjoyed the um, solo episodes that I had. I think it also was nice to be able to kind of, like, showcase the um, transformation initially, kind of when he rages. <clears throat> so that was um, pretty cool to show. And then... To, like I, Obviously, everyone knows I have a spacing out issue. But, um is that I think it was nice to kind of go into it plus now people are kind of getting a little a little peek at kind of like Alice's backstory um, with like kind of his connections with one of the Acers but also his own personal kind of like life um, that he almost never speaks about and then so it's kind of nice to just be able to showcase that in a sense and then kind of get people um, introduced to that side of Atlas Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I'm the one who really asked the the question here, but I did just want to jump in and say uh, there were there were no battles in these, but it was nice, and I hope other GMs or players maybe look at this. Um, and if it can be helpful, that's cool. But not every encounter has to be a battle, right? And it was kind of fun doing. The, it was a lot of fun doing the gambling game of Ante with Atlas. And I feel like that was like a really great stand-in for combat. Um, that's just a, a little aside. That was it was incredibly fun. And I I had no clue that uh, who was going to win. I, I actually thought you were going to um, crush Boris there on the end. Oh, and I took his loaded dice. Okay, speaking of that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that scenario, does Atlas have a gambling problem? Because that was pretty high stakes. Like, is this something that we should be aware of going forward? Um, well, Atlas sort of um, introduced his very, like, kind of high-risk, um, no-care-for-self kind of attitude. Because, like, in the very mm-hmm. beginning of Starlight... He played a game with, um, I forget his name, with the orcish, uh, oh, uh, the painter. The painter. Yeah. I remember that. So he played a cup game with him. Um, Alice is just, I don't know, throughout his life, I feel like it's a way he's used to, um, I don't know, not really excitement, but almost... Just that, like that, it almost kind of like the adrenaline rush. People, it's kind of like just that a uh, extra thing. That makes so, sense. I was pretty stressed out listening to that whole thing. So to oh, <laughs> so to add on to uh, Courtney's question about Atlas, would you say that his apt for gambling is part of the reason why he became an acer? High risk, high reward, sort of work. Um, Alice was more, I mean, Alice 
was mainly try not to obviously say too too much yet, but uh, he is mainly kind of just uh, fell into being an acer in a sense. Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it kind of just comes with the fact that through combat. Also, as everyone can normally tell, Alice doesn't really care too much about uh, dangerous situations or like dying. Like Alice doesn't really care about it, like that whole self-care kind of thing. He doesn't really think about it too much. Um, and I think gambling would just added a element to his life that was more after some tragic things that have happened. It kind of just I don't know. It added that next step of or not that next or that it, it's kind of like anyone with a vice or addiction. You kind of just um, get attached to it, in a sense, when you're in a low place. So that's kind of like Atlas. Okay, can I just throw another question at Atlas, since we're throwing <laughs> okay. questions at you Go right ahead. now? Okay, you, you will you promise to answer the question? To the, to the best of my ability. <laughs> Who is the gal you're not talking to? Oof. You're, like, paying for her life, you're paying for everything... But you're not like answering her calls. <laughs> this is more a question that I can. I would let the. I would let the uh, Patreon team know a little bit, but. Um... Okay, then I'll just start paying on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my wallet too. <laughs> um, the best way I can answer it is that she is somebody. That is probably one of the like longest knowing people, like the per one of the people that have known Alice the longest. Okay, here, here. This is a good. This, this is a good spicy answer. She's known Alice before he was <laughs> Atlas. Ooh, <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. What was before Atlas? So you're like Jesus. You were born again. <laughs> no, no, born no, again no. is the most powerful. His in name the was Bob. <laughs> it's true. Before, mm. before this, Atlas was a uh, insurance seller Every named show. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I wanted a better answer than that, Alex. <laughs> hmm. Well, what? Okay, what about you? Uh, wait, wait, wait. As, as McKenna, you know, you're you're hounding him, but um, can we talk about adoption? Truly, we've speculated at it before. We didn't speculate; we knew. Mm -hmm. But you adopted Caesar. I did. Yeah, like, how do you plan on actually being a mother to this this troubled youth? Well, the plan. Well, here's the thing. So I learned. If everyone who's listened has learned that Cisa has a sister, um, and the sister's on XR one, right? Is that accurate? She's working in a cafe. So to clarify, um, XR one is a planetary or like a, a solar system. Oh, okay. Um, so think of more like a quadrant name. She's on the planet of I believe Indul. Okay, she's on Indul working in a cafe, and I think McKenna is now kind of realizing, okay, Cisa's almost an adult anyways. He's not going to need a quote-unquote mom forever. And so what is her role as a motherly figure to Cisa? And she did learn that he has a sister on Indul and that they were separated because they're both sense. Um, and there's 
everyone hates Sense right now. And so I think she is seeing reuniting Sisa with his sister as almost a chance to act as a mom in a way that she couldn't before. Um, and the, or, or the way that she, you, someone would say wouldn't, someone would say couldn't, like she couldn't be a mom in the way she needed to be a mom to her daughter, um, who was killed, um, sacrificed. Mm. I know someone's going to throw that word in there. And so, um, this seems like her opportunity to, to, takes Seesaw and to reunite him with his sister. And if from there that's her only role as a mom, I think she'd be okay with that. Um, if her role continues with Seesaw and maybe with his sister as well, she'd be okay with that as well. Um, so that's where things are right now. Mm, okay. And uh, I'm sure everyone else has like a, a question for you, but I just want to f- quickly follow up on, on that um, on more of a practicality side. So like you're we're, that. that that's character motivation story side from you as a player, Courtney. Um, and you haven't quite done it yet in terms of like having Sisa as like kind of filling in the role as NPC follower. Um, and so there's a little bit of balance where I'm going to be running Sisa, but you are also going to have a lot of weight and say uh, in, in the situation that he actually does come with you. How, how do you envision as a player in giving advice to other players who are going to have um, in their own games, animal followers, beast mm-hmm. followers, NPC followers, how, like, what are some strategies that you're going to have as a player to tell Seesaw's story as it intertwines with McKenna's without taking the narrative and making it all encompassing around those two things because now you've at like with seesaw and deciding to go through with adopting him uh again part of it's on me as a gm to balance this out but you as a player how do you how do you think about starting to balance that out and make sure you're not taking uh you're 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 giving the due time to your other players to shine as well right i think well we'll kind of make this easy is I'm going to bring it back to the McKenna and then I'll bring it back to strategy. Um, is that McKenna ultimately wants Cisa to be safe. So she's never going to put him in a scenario where his life is on the line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she'll be hyper conscious of that. So keeping that in mind, I think Cisa will always be kind of in the background. Um, and so I think that's how like supporting characters should be is kind of in the background supporting your main character. And so I think Cisa will be doing behind the scene things the whole time. Um, ideally helping to help us with our mission and helping to like find his sister and how to get there and maybe organizing and coordinating things versus like on the ground in combat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I mean, if you have like an animal handling, you're going to use that character in combat to support you nine times out of ten. But I think when you have a supporting character like Sisa, like he's going to be doing the organizing and coordinating, which is great because you know as a DM what needs to be done behind the scenes. So I'm going to kind of put your brain to work through Sisa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Almost like remembering kind of what the overall Mm -hmm. point behind the character is, and then. Uh, using it to highlight the overall goal right. for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the plan. All right. 
I, um, I have a Clive. I'm curious. Over, I have a quick question oh. for you, McKenna, before we before we move on. Um, yes. Knowing that the scenario in which you adopted Cisa was completely false, as you went in as somebody completely different. After then, later on, hearing Cisa's very depressing, sad story. How did how did McKenna feel knowing that she had once again shattered this child's vision of truth by lying to her, lying and uh, putting him into the situation? Hard hitting. She feels like the details don't matter. <laughs> that like that's a McKenna answer. How she <laughs> yeah. really adopted Cisa. As long as Cisa was adopted. And he's in good hands, and he's safe. Like, the details but wouldn't, don't matter. But wouldn't you, you say that, that because you lied, no. or because McKenna lied, that for a, for a time, Cecil was technically in danger, since Thurstein has a much different view of him than you do? I can see your point of view. I'm... Will not legitimize your point of view because for a brief moment, Thirsting was my husband. And I will not speak poorly. Is that something that McKenna hopes to continue or is that? No, 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 no. McKenna's very much attracted to Loxodons. Again, the bigger the trunk, the better. Um, so, so there's no need, like, I will never be attracted, there's a lot of concern about Atlas, never gonna be attracted to Atlas, it was a joke <laughs> when I said I was his girlfriend and we're on vacation, never gonna be attracted to Thirsting, I need the trunk. Um, so there's no concern there. I need, I need the trunk. The trunk. <laughs> yep. Yep. I need that on a yes. shirt. <laughs> Oh yes, uh, yeah. And then there's gonna be a big picture of a trunk on the shirt. Yeah. Oh, You're in charge of making those for Christmas orders. All right, yeah. It's my and trunk in a box. <laughs> and then Al- and then Atlas is gonna be strong. It's in the universe. Oh, sure. oh, what man. is Clive's shirt gonna say? I don't know. Oh, I missed everything. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were holding on to that one for a while. Jeez. It's oh, quick no. on the draw there. No, no, no. What would Clive say? I don't know. Actually, I haven't. I haven't really thought about it. He doesn't really have like a like a motto or anything like that yet. I'll think about it. That's I'll think true. about it and get back to you. All right. All right. I will say I did. I did finally find the perfect theme song music for Clive, and Ooh. I think it's. Uh, next month's first episode you'll hear it and it's phenomenal I'm excited so So everyone look out (laughs) I'm excited okay Clive I was curious now now I'm curious about you Clive so there's been a huge there's been a few hints of your connection to the shrine cross now right um how are you feeling about that what are your thoughts about that are you like what are your like steps forward in terms of pursuing that more well it seems like uh or at least from based off what clive found it seems like the next best lead for him is to find uh the Sunmaker. so his plan right now is to just continue along um with 
with Atlas and McKenna, always watching his back, of course, because he still doesn't 100% trust uh, any of you, especially after coming back and uh, discovering all of the things that you guys were involved in, which, listeners, you'll get to that at a d in due time. Um, <clears throat> but he... I think his his next task is really just to find the Zunmaker. I think that's his main focus at this point, since that seems to be the only uh, reason, um, the only connection he has to the Shrine Cross. Um, but he's also going to start looking into Thyramore, I believe, uh, just because there's are there are quite a bit of rumors going around about her, and if she is somewhat involved with the synths in any way, then she's definitely going to also have information that I need. So I think that's that's kind of Clive's main focus mm. at this point. I can say she's very much involved with the sense. Well, yeah. Uh, no, go, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. Uh, I was done. We're good. Okay. Um, I was just going to pose this between all of you. Thyra, bad guy or good guy? Neutral. I think she's yeah. one of those. I think she's one of those. If 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 you had to put it in D and T D and D terms, I would say chaotic neutral, whereas she doesn't mind helping people or doing questionable uh, things, as long as it's to further pursue whatever it is that she's after. She seems like that kind of uh, mm. character to me. Yeah, I have to agree. It's it just seems to be. Well, I'm thinking of this actually from Atlas's standpoint, but like, she just seems to be uh, kind of like very just, um, exactly what Sam said in like a sense of just basically just trying to have like whatever business or, um, goals that she has, but she doesn't seem to be actually like evil in a sense. I have no idea. I think there's moments where I think she's a terrible person. And then other moments where I'm like, oh, she must be like halfway decent. And so I didn't, I can't answer that question. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I have a question yeah. for Isaac. Ooh. So um, basically, yeah, I'm happy for everything that's basically happened so far. But what's one thing that surprised you the most in this campaign? Like in any like story arc or any like. Like, uh, kind of like Fork Road or whatever. What surprised you the most? Or, like, what did you not expect? Hmm. Oh, man. What have I not expected? Uh. Okay. So, one thing I didn't expect was for. I knew it was going to happen that we were going to have, like, you know, life happens. And so. One, somebody needs to like sit out a game a few games whatever that's normal and then maybe we'll play like a, a solo game to get them caught up or we just kind of run their character on um, autopilot I wasn't expecting you guys to I wasn't expecting a split of three ways um, at least so early in the game and I absolutely loved it because I think part of why we do this is to the biggest part is to have fun and it's our game so yeah if we were playing without recording we would do all this anyways so that's awesome and i also think this is pretty realistic um for an actual DD game and maybe it helps other people so i think that's awesome um in terms of uh true surprises um in character arcs uh i think that 
I was very surprised about McKenna's plan of um, when the idea was posed to her about like, well, how do we like Grimble's uh, saying like, hey, I'll help you get Speaker Holes to get the trunk back. Um, and I'm pretty sure basically that Clazazel is being held under or something to do with the orphanage. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be like a pretty straightforward, like uh, reconnaissance mission, classic D&D. And I wasn't expecting her to go in under the guise of adoption and to actually adopt. So after I realized <laughs> she said that, I think like my jaw dropped for a second and I was like, oh, snaps. <laughs> I'm going to have to play a kid. And uh, I mean, just her saying that was the plan. That's what surprised me. It didn't surprise me that she followed through with it. The thing that the big thing that surprised me um, was has been, I think, the way that uh, Nathan, you have played Atlas in handling your interactions with Gorn. Um, there have been times when I thought you would go in for combat and you've completely shown a different side of Atlas. And I was not expecting a full on like, let's get involved with the Acers on this. Um, because I think it's not, <laughs> I'll admit, I wasn't prepared for that mm. um, as like a, as something that would happen. And it radically changed the nature of how willing Gorn was to work with with you guys and pulling back the screen a little bit you guys probably cut out a, a by doing that you cut out a chunk a big chunk of work in terms of uh what would need to be done in Nanoi and um but as far as like have I been surprised by like any personal reveals of your guys's not yet and I think that's because we're still rather new into not new but like really just getting into the meat of your guys's stories um so for better or for worse i've been able to predict a lot of things in the direction things are going and but i, I think that's because everyone's such good communicators yeah um i have a can i throw that question back to everyone else like what's been most surprising for you guys um that's a good question it is a good question <sighs> I would say I would say it would have it would have to be the approach to the adoption uh, by McKenna um, only because when we when the campaign first started she was so, so intent on finding the Sunmaker to the point where um, a lot of the or a few of the um, altercations that we got in stemmed from that drive to find him. Um, but it almost seems like now because like it, it, it kind of reveals a little bit about how dark McKenna's past might've been when you look at how she's acting towards this adoption, almost to the point where it seems like she's not necessarily forgotten about the Sunmaker. But it seems like he's definitely dropped in priority. So it honestly makes me a lot more interested in McKenna's backstory because she comes off first as this, you know, happy-go-lucky Loxodon, when clearly there's something a lot darker that's uh, a lot, a lot darker developing there. And so I'm, I'm really curious to see where that's, uh, where that's headed. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm probably gonna also say probably McKenna is right in like McKenna right now. Five, I'm still waiting until it gets deeper, until he finds out more about like it's like past and everything. And then when that happens, that'd be pretty cool to see. But right now, I'm gonna say that yeah, the adoption. Atlas can say yes and no. I mean, yeah, he was. It's obviously a surprise, but McKenna's very kind of random. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, as Nathan, like, yeah, I think the surprising thing for me was that one, there's now, yeah, the adoption happened. Also, in a sense, too, um, I don't know. It's just, he's basically just trying to see where things are going. Things kind of keep jumping. Like, it seems like something's going a certain way. And then, like, even for Alice's side, it's like, um, but it seems like everyone's, like, kind of going a certain way. And then, they have to like make a kind of dire, not like a dire, or what is it called? A drastic decision? I don't know words too well, but um, yeah, just like a big decision that kind of can like turn the whole story. Kind of like mm -hmm. the adoption and then everything else. It's mm -hmm. like, who knows actually where everything's going to actually go now. Right. Um, right. I have a quick. Well, I'm glad I can keep you all on your toes. <laughs> I have a yeah. quick uh, follow up question to the first part of your. Um, response earlier isaac about the the solo episodes considering now mm -hmm. that now that you've we've gone through them and we've completed you know a, a few for each character and they've been for the most part seemingly successful is that something that you think you would pursue later on in this campaign like you would like to see more splitting up of the party or do you still stand by the old D D adage of not splitting the party and would you recommend other dms or gms possibly pursue um side stories like that um i for me personally i love solo games i don't think that uh i, I don't think that they should be like a norm they should be almost like you know if you're reading a book and you finish like part one of a book and you get like a little break like an interlude or something something more like that because it's refreshing for everyone um it's certainly for me because sometimes when you're playing you don't get to highlight that player enough or their individual arc enough and for both gm and player it it reinforces why we love those characters and makes us think more like those characters or makes the gm like say how do i dial it in more for this character um and i think too that everyone has so many thoughts that from also from an audience standpoint there is just not enough uh time in any one given episode unless you're playing four and a half hour campaigns per episode which we would die if we did that um there's just not enough time to get everyone's individual thoughts out per thing like what they're thinking mm -hmm. so i'm I wouldn't necessarily pursue it and say like in the sense of like oh you guys should make sure you split up or whatever I will never discourage it I think it's nothing but good um, I just don't think it's good when it's like because uh, like so for the audience to know we've already played the next month's camp like adventures already and there was a moment where uh, I think McKenna kind of threatened for a hot second and it was totally in character but she threatened like, oh, I might just go my own way. And I don't think that that's necessarily 
super healthy to like come back together and suddenly split off again. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, especially in like a podcast or show form, you can do that a lot more in individual tables um, that you're just doing for fun. But again, if you do it too much, you you start taking away from the collaborative story and making it about you, Um, which if that's what you want to do, you should play. You should find a GM who wants to play an individual game with you for many sessions. Um, But then the second part of your question is, would I encourage that for other GMs or would I say never split the party? I would say let just um, if you're not comfortable enough to to split the party, like you don't feel like you're ready to do that. There's nothing wrong with saying no. It's you. The GM has to have fun. Like the idea of like only the players have fun is silly. Like because the GM, if the GM burns out or gets frustrated, now nobody has a game. So that's kind of in the power of the GM. But I, again, I stand by the fact of like um, splitting the party is really not more work. It's it again, it adds nothing but good things. And the way I see it is, is it's a game. So knowing that you're that the characters can die from that. And as long as the players know that it's totally fine. And oftentimes it makes it more fun because it's more risky. And I would say the idea of having to balance encounters, I would say don't really worry about that. If you have a world already built and you already have a general idea and let's say you're breaking, your characters are splitting up because one person's going to go scout the keep of the castle there's no reason for you to go spend as a GM eight hours or six hours changing your encounters so that way it's balanced for the one character that doesn't feel realistic so you don't really have to do much to change the work they just need to know that there's the threat there and it raises the ante of the game um, and it makes everyone more bought in and even better is uh, you can do into, you can split the party at the table with everyone there set a timer go back for five minutes or whatever and that's great that's fun but the, my favorite way of doing it is when you say, hey, you got a free Saturday. Just me and you are going to play for like 30 minutes because then nobody knows what happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe they find out some of the consequences in their own game. And then it's so cool. And that character comes back. That person comes back and joins the table and is like, let me actually catch you up on what happens. And um, so, yeah, guys, you can totally keep splitting, splitting the, the game. Just Maybe put four or five episodes in between every split. Yeah, we'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll Our card is a little volatile, um, so, you know, who knows what's going to happen? It's D&D, right? It is. Well, and you guys, okay, let's talk about this. You guys are hanging on by a thread. Like, the thing that's keeping you guys together is just, like, the proven ability to at least somewhat keep each other alive in dangerous situations or the utility of like say McKenna to Atlas in terms of getting to the Sunmaker and Clive being able to actually pilot better than everyone else and so it's pretty like a it's a razor thin it's holding you guys together how do you how do you guys feel about that I think it's good I've never <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's like it's not like um I don't know, I think it's nice too cuz it's it's something different from at least in from what, like the ones I've watched. Like you obviously you have a couple characters sometimes in a party that have like butt heads. I mean, Alice and McKenna butt heads all the time. But 
Um, it's kind of nice because it just adds like a little different element to a party. Like we're not all happy-go-lucky and loving and all that. Um, but in the same sense, we have similar goals or at least our goals are in the same kind of places or direction. Um, so it definitely adds a different element to it than what I see a lot of times, which is like a lovey-dovey group kind of thing. Which isn't bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not bad to have a very happy friendship group, but as of right now, it's kind of... I don't know, it's very realistic in my head of like a group that basically just met each other. They're not all buddy-buddy. They're... Um, they are hanging out mm -hmm. by a thread. <clears throat> I've never played in a campaign where there's like so much tension between two characters. Um, and I do feel like... Atlas and McKenna go at it. Like, there's some clashing there, but it's really, really fun. Um, and it's funny because I also feel like McKenna's character is somewhat similar to mine. And I also feel like Nathan's character, Atlas, is somewhat similar to Nathan. And so it's funny to, like, play these characters who are who are somewhat like ourselves and the clash in character but then in real life like Nathan and I are great friends and there's never like any tension there um and so it's interesting how those how it clashes in game but it's totally fine out of game um and I get sassy sometimes as McKenna and so it's fun to to like watch that clash a little bit um with someone who's I would say Alice is pretty type A and McKenna's like type Z um, in like terms of how she functions in the world. Yeah. Um, I think. What about you, Sam? I think I agree a lot with uh, what Nathan was saying about it being just it just being realistic. I mean, especially with the backgrounds that our characters are coming from, it wouldn't make any sense for them to just randomly meet up, especially on a prison planet, and then all of a sudden just be best buds. Um, and. Right. Like for me personally, I don't usually get. I'm usually playing one of the the extremes on either side, like like McKenna and Atlas. So it's it is kind of a lot. It's a different, a lot different playstyle for me to play Clive and have him kind of be the mediator almost, unless in a lot of the scenarios, um, especially because he's not doing it because he likes McKenna or Atlas or he's like friends with them, but more because he sees the value in them and. Coming, trying to keep a relationship together coming from that viewpoint is something that's uh, completely new to me playing D&D anyway. Plus, I think it just adds a bit of excitement to every single scenario, especially when all three of us are involved. Because in a normal, or I wouldn't say normal, in a typical D&D setting, when you have a campaign who's um, coming coming out, all like they're all buddy-buddy or all together, have known each other for a while. In this case, none of our characters know in any given scenario, what the other characters are going to do. So it kind of creates this heightened tension, like uh, what uh, Courtney was saying, that I think just adds a lot of excitement and keeps it keeps the audience more immersed because they aren't able to predict what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. I would say, like, because um, I've done both, and this is probably, like, definitely more, a little more extreme than some, but in a good way. Uh, but the whole, like, you know you're already buddy buddy or like there are a lot of games where like um and this is this is not a knock at all but i i think of like critical roles uh campaign two where they all 
are definitely not connected in any way. And like after like one, the very first episode, you're kind of like, okay, I can see how you're together. And then a, a week's time passes and you would think that they've been together for months. And it's, and it's definitely like, there's a lot of doing that in, in role-playing games for convenience sake of, of getting the story to start, feel like it's flowing better and quicker and all, all of those sorts of things. Um, and I love that we're, I love that we're not doing this in like, uh, for quote unquote convenience sake of bringing the group together. It's happening very organically. And there has been really cool moments. Like I think of like McKenna and Clive dancing in like, uh, learn teaching Clive to dance in like our, um, what I call like our season zero episodes when we were still learning, getting into the groove of even, uh, you know, sharing our show with, with everyone who's listening. Um, and it makes those moments of friendship and or of like actual just positive working together not just being forced to work together start to shine more and feel more authentic um like uh i, I was thinking about the games we played for next month and you guys probably were like isaac shut up you're being really annoying but when i texted you guys and i was like holy cow like i had to like sit back for a second because i was like did i just did i just run that game terribly because like there was so much stress and then i was like no 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 that actually that's awesome like everyone had fun and then again when i was going back and working on the audio i heard everyone laughing all the time (laughs) and i was like oh yeah we had a great time and i was like this is this this is like good tension good drama yeah yeah and there's a lot of tension right now um (laughs) i think especially as we're getting closer to the Sunmaker, McKenna has this expectation to see a friend and Atlas has this expectation to see a, a tool and Sam has this expectation to get answers, right? And so we're all like going after this person for different reasons. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting... Yeah. And, yeah. And just to give you guys a heads up, it has been two weeks and two days since you guys have been together uh Wait. since i know i don't i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is crazy two weeks and two days oh, an eventful so. two weeks <laughs> it's been a crazy two weeks no way. <laughs> that was like a year at yeah. least <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're i think you're getting your reality time and your your uh, starlight time mixed up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we basing I, this know. off like a noise but... sometime? Or... <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Nanoi does run slightly slower. <laughs> this is this is star date time. Come on, this is like universal day. Um, kind of... Um, oops, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, kind of bouncing off uh, what Courtney said um, with like how things are going, how does McKenna feel being so close to like the Sunmaker? Well, hypothetically being so close to the Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Don't answer that. Well... Don't answer, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, they, they, we, are, we are getting they, closer they to the Sunmaker, moment. so I can just answer that. Um, well, we're just getting close. We're, like, getting closer yes, to solving yes, the yes. mystery, right? So, McKenna has... Well, everyone knows that we saw in the... The Christoph... Christoph shard <laughs> say, say it one more time the Christoc- 
Crustard. <laughs> that, that's close. We'll give you a C minus. Okay. Uh, how do you say it? Crustard. Okay. Everyone else try. Come on, Chris- Nathan. Let's Christos- hear you try it. Crustard. Wait, wait, Isaac. I, I, Isaac, <laughs> that's say pretty good. Crustard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm not too. I can't already. I already can't speak. Um, so I almost want to just call it the Christakis shard. Or you can so call it whatever. I'm gonna call it that. Um, but the so we saw in that shard, right? We saw the Sunmaker kill himself, right? And so McKenna has doubt about what she's gonna find, while being hopeful. She seems she sees some some element of her friend um and in some form or another whether it's hologram or it's in an entirely different form altogether like she she's hopeful but also like pretty aware of like the the cult that he just started on um on Nanoi and and being nervous about that and so McKenna, ideally, she hopes to find her friend, but is also understanding if her friend is not present. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and she's, like, very aware of the harm that can be done in brainwashing in a cult. And so I think she's... She would also be, like, pretty upset with her friend um, for starting what seems to be another cult. Cults are bad children. Yes. <laughs> Don't join cults. Uh, except for mine. <laughs> I, uh, I, I ex- you have to pay $100 to get in. And, um. What do you get for that $100? Oh, you get to give me your social security number, too. Oh. And sh- your firstborn. Should I give you my PIN number as well? Uh, we can talk okay. about that. We can talk about that. We don't want it to be too the, easy. The, the three, the three uh, numbers on the back of my debit card. Yeah, the security code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that? Oh, that's the United States government. I got uh, yeah. <laughs> FBI is listening. Yeah, FBI open up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, I have a spicy question here, and uh, I think that the viewers will love it. In Atlas's episode, Missed Call. There is a moment where he gets inside the Dukar Gold Casino and a beautiful tiefling comes walking towards him named Astrid. And in the most non-cringy way, (laughs) Atlas rolls a terrible charisma check to kiss her up the arm. Up the arm? No, no, no. Hold on. No, no, no. It's just her hand. (laughs) It was just just the hand. (laughs) And he and he and he slowly he stopped at the elbow. <laughs> a little bit of drool Stop. left. <laughs> oh my god! How did it? How did it feel? Like that was a pretty awful fail. Um. Well, I mean, someone has to add some like comedy, you know, to the. <laughs> is, is that what we're going with? <laughs> no, honestly, when I rolled so low, I, was, I literally died inside. I was just like, oh no. Like, Atlas is this guy that like usually doesn't make a fool out of himself, right? He was just going to do it in a nice gentleman yeah. way. Like, just gentleman, 
no strings attached, just a gentleman. And then he does he just he just awkwardly does it. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, it was it's okay. It's okay. Like I said, it's added a little comedy flavor. That's what I tell Courtney. I say, no, I just kissed her hand in a gentlemanly way. It always ends with me getting slapped. <laughs> I mean, it could have been that bad. It could have been All that the bad. Time. She didn't slap him. It's right. <laughs> also, though, talking about that, talking that about Astrid, funny. though, I I don't know if she she just seemed. I don't know if it's just because Isaac being Isaac, but she seemed as if it was like there's more to. Like, I don't know if she has, like, a her own type of, like, plan. Like, behind the scenes kind of thing. Not with Atlas, necessarily, but, like, just, like, her, um, and the Tetsu. Like, I wonder if she's, I don't know if she's, like, what her plan is. She seems like she has more, I don't know, it's just because she's so high up and she's with that schemey little family. But, like, um, yeah. I couldn't like get a good read on like I won't lie when I listened to the episode and that whole interaction and then the interaction of when Atlas was leaving I was I was getting really strong for all you Elder Scrolls fans out there I was getting really strong Dark Brotherhood vibes I was like <laughs> there's she's got something else going on there's there's no way so I'm, I'm right there with you with a name like Astrid, and I, I tried, I really tried. Like I, I envisioned, I envisioned this glimmering dress, you know, like these beautiful calves that you see on the, in the in the high hills. And I was like, I am Astrid, I am Astrid. I'm sexy, powerful, and let me just tell you, there's a lot of backstory see, I, there. It felt it, man. It hey, felt it when she was Sorry. speaking. For all the listeners, though, behind the scenes, we—I want the—I want the audience because sooner or later, I know Isaac's gonna have to do it. But behind the scenes, Isaac's gonna have to role play. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> role play. Oh, so, so, no. He refused. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> I. You want to know what was funny? What was funny uh-huh. about that episode? Uh, pulling back the curtain, double pulling it back to looking at the recording studio I was in. So I was in, I was in San Diego when we did that game, and the best room, literally, to record in was my room in the closet. So not only am I like taking on this like the essence <laughs> of Astrid, and I'm like I'm powerful, I'm poised. When we finish, I'm literally exiting the closet i'm literally <laughs> leaving the closet <laughs> so i don't oh. you know boy <clears throat> so it looks like uh, clive isn't the only one in a self self-discovery journey <laughs> oh at least i know my memory <laughs> okay all right um so i i gave you a hard time on this and I probably will for a little bit until someone else does something dumb. Um, but Sam, how frustrating was it for you to to leave empty-handed at the end of your okay. game? <laughs> for clarification, I didn't leave empty-handed. I did find something. Oh, sorry. Almost. Now, I am quite frustrated that it wasn't anything really related to what I was looking for. 
and to then find out later on that I missed a huge chunk of it, I would say it it was it was quite uh, quite frustrating. And if if Clive actually had known that he missed on something like that, he would probably be in a bar somewhere in the corner, just kind of <laughs> drinking his sorrows away. So McKenna knows that um, feeling. I am kind of excited though. I'm as as frustrating as it is. I think I'm a little more excited to learn some information from um, our future episodes, just because the the gang is all back together, and I think he really, Clive really thrives, kind of in that environment where he can not necessarily be behind the scenes, but Atlas and McKenna are such boisterous characters that he can kind of do his own thing in the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause that's always what he's been good at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's kind of you know the deadly, the deadly shot that nobody sees. That sniper who misses everything, hidden away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the sniper who oh, misses everything. Nathan. <laughs> All right. Man, let's, I feel let's, like I'm being let's targeted. Let's give here. Sam a break here. <laughs> let's let's give Sam a break. Okay, we'll give a little little teeny spoiler. There is an altercation in the future, and we finally see what a badass Clyde did a pretty damn good job. Let me just throw that out there. He, I'm just going to say he hit the bullseye. Which, which. Saved um, McKenna's life. Oh, he did. true. Saved a lot of lives. Saved a lot of things. Which I do want to say, little, little self, shameless self uh, plug here. Um because this is you know space opera setting there's things we have to create so part of it was kind of like creating certain feats and stuff as they went into level four and to to allow sam to make clive into the soldier that he was and give him those things so shameless plug is you know if you want to if you want to find out more about those feats and special things that you could plug into your own game just check it out at patreon it's there let me tell you they are pretty cool feats, and I definitely chose one right away without even thinking about it. So, I think you guys are in a real treat. Yeah, um, and when we release the next episode, we'll have to like uh, that episode, and we go through it with this Q and A. We'll have to like kind of talk about these feats and and share a little bit about the world building for people who are listening, and and exactly what those feats are. For people who would be interested in pursuing that further, what tier is that at? Is that at the $1 tier? Yeah. Okay. This. And so is McKenna's journal entries. Ooh. That actually tell a lot of information. I um Yeah, those are fun to read. Um, does anyone else have any questions or thoughts or comments? I have one more for Atlas. Atlas, if you had to pick a side between McKenna and Gorn... Who would you choose? You have a gun to your head. You have to choose right now. Uh, probably, honestly, probably, truthfully, not just to be a part of the party or kiss ass. I'd probably choose Bacanas. The reasoning. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> the reasoning behind that, just so people don't feel like I'm a sellout for Alan or, you know, but like, <laughs> is that, uh, so Gorn has almost killed Atlas. Atlas has not forgotten that. Yes, we okay, but okay, we're gonna Go move ahead. on from that though. For anyone, any comments? But is that <laughs> we, um, so he's almost killed 
Atlas, and... Just to clarify, that was when Atlas was down, took a knee. Um, Yes. But he, like, so... Atlas has not forgotten that. Atlas has very... Kind of like Isaac said, um, in some of our interactions with... Or some of Atlas's interactions with Gorn, he has been very close to just lopping off his head. But, like... Um... It's, Alice is it's his sense of though like being an acer and also kind of having these kind of deals and businesses and stuff like um, kind of like black market deals in a sense it's like he he's he sees Gorn literally as a tool like um, which I think people mm-hmm. can tell he's just he's just trying to get his end goal but um yeah if he had to choose like if there's any like critical moment or anything he'd choose McKenna thank you See, everyone leaves fluffy and happy. Yes, um, fluffy and as happy. As she gets in the here. way of uh, <laughs> him and the Sunmaker, then different story. Boy, that turned quick. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Again, volatile party that can turn on a dime. <laughs> he did say he'd pick me, though. So there you <laughs> have it. We have that on record um, now. <laughs> yes. Well, if no one else has any questions or comments um i do have one very last one and it is specifically for our patreon members uh because about trying to think december of 2020 or it might have been november phil ilkhan entered the scene and was rather ominous in how he helped you guys um, not that he helped that much, but that said that he'd be watching you. I, unknown to you guys, put up a poll for our Patreon and said various things. What is Thiel Lilikon's role? Like, why is he watching them? What is his plan? And long story short, got a vote and Thiel Lilikon has finally re-entered the scene. So for our Patreon member who's voted on that, how do you guys feel about that entering back into your story? Um, I personally like it just because I like the character. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's not really much too much I could say yet. But like, yeah, he's wait. Make sure I'm not pulling an Ethan moment and like mixing up faces that I'm having with names. This is going to sound super bad. Just to clarify, though, this is the guy that, when I went in the ship, and I looked... Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that guy? That's exactly what that was. Okay, so, yeah, I just like the character. Like, he's just... Yeah, so, I'm excited to kind of see where... Like, what happens with him. He reminds me of that... Not necessarily evil, but that mastermind behind the scenes that's pulling all the strings. So I'm curious to see mm-hmm. if that actually is the case, or if he just somehow ends up being a you know a non-important character in the future. Um, I also really really love his the intimidating atmosphere around him. I think it it is it just like not in your face scary, but just like kind of gives you this uncomfortable chill kind of thing whenever he's like in the room. Mm-hmm. 
I love, like, outside of the story, I love that people are voting to make decisions for the story. I think that's a really cool way to involve the community. Um, within the story, Thil Ilkhan makes me super nervous. Um, I remember when we first, like, interacted with him, and he, like, totally wigged McKenna out. Um, and I, I, like, I imagine that when we interact, like, I'm going to feel that way again. Um... He's just a weird guy with an immense amount of power, and um, that makes me kind of extraordinarily nervous, especially considering her background. Perfect. Well, I'm excited to find out more. Um, I know a little bit more about his character, obviously, but I'm discovering the NPCs all the while, like all the quirks of the personality, so... I am curious to learn more and see where our Patreon supporters and community continue to drive and send the story with these votes. Um, Wait, I just realized something. If Phil Khan was Gorn's guards the whole time, then he would have heard her say, I'm the moon maker in the, in the um, temple. And that he's like, Part of the, um... The Yeth? The Yeth. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, and guys, with that, I think that is a great place <laughs> to end this Q&A and find out what's going to happen <gasps> in the future. Dun, dun, dun. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, it's been a real treat and pleasure. And, uh... Yeah, the Starlight crew, we sign out and we say thank you. So see you later, Spacers. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.